a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. When we look at ourselves and the situation of the world, uh, God is certainly there, but he's hidden there. He's not seen there. He's not. He, he hasn't put himself there to be found. Where he puts himself to be found is on the cross. That's where we know that he loves us. So we can just as well undo God's love for us as we can go back in time and pry the nails out of Jesus' hands. We can just proclaim God's word, trust it will do what it says it will do, and no longer be, be judging the effectiveness of the, of the preached word by human standards of measurement, by, by the number of people that are there, but, but rather to just do what God told us to do, to preach the word and administer the sacraments. Ch- Charles Finney could have possibly had the ugliest face of any theologian. <laughs> Except for Brian Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, welcome to Table Talk Radio. Uh, every week you're hoping that there's going to be new sound bites in the theme music. Uh, And every week you are disappointed. So welcome to Table Talk Radio. The disappointment (laughs) continues. Uh, (laughs) That should be a liner right there. Table Talk Radio. The disappointment continues. Your expectations fail to be met. (laughs) I'm writing it down. Disappointment continues. Okay. Oh, boy. Bumper sticker theology in the lineup for today. And after that, we're playing... Um, Table Talk Jeopardy, the summertime edition. Did you remember to write questions for that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got you covered. No, I didn't write questions. I wrote answers. Oh, ooh, you're tricky. Ooh, All right, nice. Alex. Alex Trebet over here, uh, the co-host of Table Talk Radio. And yep. then we're playing a brand new game. I'm excited for this new game. You know, Everyone's wondering, when do we get new games on Table Talk Radio? Yeah, the oh, same old t- nonsense. T- t- we today. want some new nonsense. <laughs> Today's the day. And uh, oh, today yeah. we are playing Name That Walther Theses. And uh, it's a little game where we, we analyze and look at the law gospel theses from, from CFW Walther's uh, The Proper Distinction Between Law and Gospel and listen to a clip or read a teaching or something like that. And then we have to identify which theses is, uh, is this pertain to. So that's the game uh, that's coming up on Table Talk Radio. Hmm. I'm excited. All right. Do you have a buzzword for me? Oh, yeah. My buzzword for you is a buzz phrase. It's, oh, it's not a real phrase. It's a buzz title. It is Athanasian Creed. <laughs> Athanasian Creed. What's so funny? Because my buzzword is similar, but go ahead. Yeah. So the Athanasian Creed, it wasn't probably written by Athanasius, the great church father, defender of the doctrine of the Trinity and the two natures of Christ. It shows up a little bit later. Uh, but it's given the title Athanasian Creed in his honor. This is that long creed that we uh, have, the third of the three ecumenical creeds uh, recorded, um, and it's uh, and it deals with the first half. It deals with the 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 persons in relation, the divine persons in relationship to the divine essence. So we worship the unity and Trinity, and the Trinity and unity. Uh, there's the Father's Almighty, the Son's Almighty, the Holy Spirit's Almighty, but they're not three Almighties, but one Almighty. That's the all from the Athanasian Creed. And then the second half deals with the person of Christ, uh, how he's two natures, uh, or sorry, uh, uh, yeah, two natures, one person. <laughs> Did you forget? Uh, wait, wait, how many uh, natures was Christ? Uh, oh yeah, three, four, one, two. two. <laughs> Yeah, this is not something we want to play a game with. How many natures? Yeah, that yeah. would be a bad if table you, talk If radio you get game. that wrong, that would not be good. 
That would be a version of name that heretic. <laughs> uh, but one person and two. So when you deal with a trinity, you're dealing with three persons, one essence. When you deal with Christ, you're dealing with two natures, one person. And uh, and the creed deals with that in the Athanasian Creed, and that is your buzzword. Good well, luck. how how fun because the buzzword I have for you it was creed, just creed, and uh, yeah. it comes from the Latin credo, uh, meaning uh, I believe. And so when we confess uh, creeds, any of the the three ecumenical creeds. Um, we are confessing what we believe. Now, it's funny because some of these, uh, historically, a number of these churches have said, uh, no creed but the Bible. Remember that? You, you used to say that, didn't you? You, you were one of those. No creed <laughs> but the Bible. Really? But by saying that very thing, you're making a creed because you're saying what you believe. So I know. You've tricked people now. Now they don't <laughs> know what to say. They're going to say, no creed. Wait. <laughs> It is true when Jesus says, says uh, uh, whoever confesses me before men, I'll confess before my Father. He is giving to the church the obligation as well as the privilege of confessing the faith. Now, the faith should be no different than what the Lord says to us. In fact, that's what the word confession means. You know this, uh, everyone loves to talk about it. In Greek, the, the word for confess is homo logeo, which means to say the same thing. So we're not saying anything different when we say the creed. We're saying what God already said, we're, but it's in our mouth, and we're saying it back to him. And we also have the obligation, in the as the church looks out for false teachers, following the command of Jesus, looking out for false doctrine, that whenever we see false doctrine, we point it out and we contrast it with what's true. So here comes a false doctrine, and we say, no, 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 that's false. We should say what's true. And so we say what's true about God, about Christ, about our salvation, and that's precisely what the creeds are. Good. So this no creed but the Bible is just nonsense. Right. Okay. That's they're, It's about as valuable as a table talk radio point. <laughs> and what are those worth? Nothing. <laughs> okay. I didn't know the, that. The table top, the points are like seeing a Volks, Volkswagen bug when you're by yourself. That's <laughs> you what's really the sad point. about those little things is that you yeah, don't have any original ones anymore. They're all from from Facebook uh, fans. No, yeah, nothing. In fact, that I say is original now. It's just fact, all off of our wall posts. In fact, when a, uh, an, fact. a an area church or district invites Pastor Wolfmuller to come do some sort of a talk or a speech or some sort of a thing, uh, he just goes to Facebook for his preparation for that. <laughs> it's true. True. It is true. It's great. I don't have to hardly do any work. Our fan book page writes uh, writes my our, sermons our for fan me. Book page. Yeah, uh, see, let see. Uh, the the Facebook uh, not only is terrible for your social skills, but it also leads to laziness. <laughs> I, I think I'm building a case here on my anti Facebook. <laughs> I was just I was in fact reading our Facebook page earlier, doing a little show prep, <laughs> and uh, and there's a little discussion on there. Favorite table talk radio quotations, and and one of them was from you. You're getting more and more of these quotes. No, so I did. I, I just get one. It says, uh, it says, uh, you say something like, is is Facebook fan envy? That's ten, the Tenth Commandment, right? Yeah. <laughs> I should get points for that, for Ten Commandments in the show. So you have Ten to, Commandments in you the have, Facebook you have, to, you have to say when we break the Ten Commandments during the course of the show. And uh, you right now, tenth, uh, the Tenth Commandment in, in uh, coveting, uh, who was it? Uh, Kirk Cameron's fans. You, you always covet Kirk Cameron's fans, so. Yeah, I'm kind of off of that now. We uh, <laughs> our, our trajectory has has kind of slowed down a little bit. Our our fan growth 
has slowed, so uh, so I had to I had to give that thing up. You know, we mm. we are at 382 members now, which I think is probably just about two or three less than we were last week. <laughs> Am- amazingly, amazingly, Kurt Cameron increased in 382 listeners since we got a Facebook page. So <laughs> somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Some, all of our fans are going over to there. Anyway, yeah, yeah, should we play yeah. some uh, Bumper Checker Theology? Sure, that's I, a good idea. I've got a few. I want to hit this one first because uh, uh, Brian in Colorado sends this in. Wait a minute. Brian in Colorado. It's not me. Oh, okay. No. Um, now he, he brings up uh, several, but the first one I want to talk about is the one that you see everywhere, and it's the one that says coexist. But coexist, the, coexist. <laughs> the bumper sticker. You get to hear that bumper music a little bit later. But um, every letter right in the coexist. You know, we talked about this on the on the air. Like this is like right away, like the second or third show we talked about this bumper sticker. And at the time, I hadn't seen this before. But ever since then, I I've probably seen it a million times. Um, I know. If but, you had a table talk radio point for every time you saw the coexist bumper sticker, I wouldn't have to do these games with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So, okay, coexist, and each letter is a different religious symbol. Uh, take us through this coexist, uh, Pastor, and, and what oh, all these yeah. mean. Oh, yeah, okay. So you got the C is the crescent moon for the Muslims. Uh, the O is the peace sign, or sometimes the Dharma wheel. Uh, depends on the version. Oh, there's variations. There's a textual variance of the bumper sticker? Y- you get the NIV and the ESV <laughs> coexist. Then the E is normally E equals MC squared, which apparently stands for Einsteinianism, uh, but probably means science. Which, you know, I, I got a feeling that the E equals MC squared business is uh, is the kind of, that stands for the atheists, you know, the, these that are scientific. The problem is, if they were just the atheists, you'd just have an E up there. You wouldn't have any of these other letters, because they don't believe in any of this stuff. <laughs> It's kind of tricky. But Judaism. Wait, wait, wait! The, Before you go on, though, there's also yeah. another variation of this, where the E is the the little round symbols for male and female. You know, the arrow. Yes, and the yeah, crown. right. That's right. And so they're all in in both coming off of the E. Uh, yeah, I, male, I, female. So you have kind of some sort of adron. What is that called? Where you have you both uh, genders in the same person? Or yeah, that's strange. <laughs> yes. You get, and then you have the uh, the X is a star David Judaism. The uh, the uh, the now, now the I is a tricky one because you can have either the I with the Dharma wheel over it, or I've also seen the I with the uh, with the five pointed star for Wicca pagan. Um, yeah. The S is the uh, what's that thing called? The um, little swirly doodad. Oh, uh, um, ying ying. The yin and the yang, yeah. So that's uh, that stands for Eastern nonsense. And then the T is uh, is the cross, right? Uh, for Jesus. So all these are on the one on one stage here. Yeah. So th- this is basically saying we'll come back and talk about it. basically saying that all of these belief systems should coexist. Now, what does that mean? To just simply coexist is one thing, but I think there's something more being said here in this bumper sticker. We're going to talk about that. We continue bumper sticker theology right after this break on Table Talk Radio. Say there's a heaven for those who are waiting Some say it's better, but I say it ain't I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints The sinners are much more fun You know that only the good die young Oh, baby Two theologians for the price of none. 
Table Talk Radio will be right back. A public service announcement for the Pensacola Lutheran Blind Mission, which will hold its monthly meeting and dinner for the blind and sight impaired. This is 5 p.m. Saturday, June 26th at Emmanuel Lutheran Church, located at 24 West Wright Street in Pensacola, Florida. The Pensacola Lutheran Blind Mission will present an evening meal where it will recognize fellow members. It will be an evening of food and fellowship and learning the art of square dancing as taught by Mrs. Patty Ping. The Lutheran Blind Mission is an organization that provides social interaction, life skills support, and Christian fellowship for the blind and sight impaired. For dinner reservations, please call Paul Silverly by Thursday the 24th at area code 850-457-3039, 850-457-3039, or email him annsilverly at yahoo.com. You got a sticker on your car that says coexist, but you don't coexist at your work site. Yes, you always fight. You think I'm right wrong. The best part about that bump in is that I have it firmly stuck in Pastor Wolfmuller's head for the rest of the day. So he's going to be going on shut in visits later and he's going to be singing. Uh, the song about bumper stickers. It makes me want to rem- learn the guitar again. Did you, did you learn the guitar at one point? Oh, yeah. I used to at least pr- lead praise and worship with the youth group. Are you, <laughs> you didn't know that about me? I guess I had forgotten. I, I had repressed that memory. Everyone sing with me. You got the bumper stickers on your car. Say a lot, a lot about who you are and who you're not. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are playing the bumper sticker theology, and uh, we're just we talking about this coexist bumper sticker. Okay, so... Coexist, coexist, coexist. <laughs> Pastor, uh, what are they... What, what, what are they really trying to say with coexist? Because are they saying that, that we should yeah, all yeah, then, um, you know, I mean, I, I think we do coexist in the sense that, you know, that we are uh, all living together. You know, there's probably there, – in fact, I, I know that there's a uh, uh, some Muslims living down the street from me, and, and I don't ask them to move out or anything like that. I should tell you this story about how I was at about a 45-minute visit with Osama the Muslim. Uh, at the grocery store right down the street from the church. That was something. But, but it's true. I don't go in and say, hey, you can't eat that, you know, you can't eat that bean burrito. Uh, you're a Muslim. You know, no, 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 no. But that's not what it means. I've got a theory here, uh, and that is this, that bumper stickers um, are a manifestation of a worldview. Now, this is so that, you know, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a the whale. You know, you got a picture of the whale, and it's all, most of the time it's underwater. Every once in a while, it'll just come to the surface and spew a little bit and suck in some air, and then down. The, the bumper sticker is like that little bitty surface of the worldview that most of the time lives submerged somewhere in people's minds and hearts. But but they they you're walking through a store and you see a bumper sticker and you said that's me. That's what I think in one word. Pow! I gotta buy it. And so now it's a so the bumper stickers are manifestations of a person's worldview. And this little bumper sticker coexists. Has it? The idea is it's kind of a uh, it, it, it it's a non-doctrinal or a non-dogmatic spirituality. In other words, the only way all of these things can kind of co- stand on equal ground. I mean the. The problem with the C is that it excludes the uh, 
oh, exist. I mean, it excludes <laughs> all the other ones. And the problem with the T is that it excludes the coex and the and the ex. I mean, they they exclude one another. All of these religions do, except for maybe, uh, I mean, the peace symbol. But I mean, that would exclude Islam. <laughs> <laughs> True. But this, I mean, but as uh, you see that the, these the only way that these things cannot exclude one another is if they lose their essential character, because every expression these are expressions of dogmas islam is a dogma the 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 kind of the peace movement is a dogma the the scientific radicalism is a dogma christianity has dogma i mean they all are they all have teachings and the only way that you can say that they're even and stand on the same stage if if is if they don't teach anything so it's a you you, you have this kind of non this this anti dogma view of of religion where it, now it just becomes what we call a spirituality an ex, an, an expression it's like a, you got there's some sort of higher power and whatever mask that higher power wears for you well good for you and he wears a different mask for me etc cetera, etc cetera. and this is a this is what, so this kind of this pop spirituality and it's just utter nonsense i mean it doesn't it's just ridiculous it you it, it, you don't islam if it's not sitting there saying that everything should submit to allah is it islam i mean for goodness sakes uh judaism if it's not saying that hey you ought to keep sabbath ceases to be judaism and Christianity, if it's not saying that Jesus died for your sins and that death and that name is the only way to heaven, and apart from that there's eternal condemnation, it's not Christianity. It's something else. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's like uh, if you let the if you let the alphabet if you let the letters in the alphabet soup uh, in the you know in your apple jacks or whatever if your breakfast cereal sit in the milk for too long they cease to be letters <laughs> and it just becomes a big pile of mush. Well, that's what this is. <laughs> and we're going to have a vote. Did you like the whale analogy better or the alphabet soup analogy better? <laughs> <laughs> All for free, folks. All for free. <laughs> oh, don't no worry. Charge. There's uh, two and a half more segments <laughs> of Table Talk Radio ahead. Um, okay, let's let's hit a few more of these. Um, Brian also sent us uh, these that were all on the same, the same uh, car. And it says, it says, a, a closed mind is a wonderful thing to lose. And <laughs> vote Obama Biden. And oh, in goddess we trust. And oh. lastly, keep abortion legal. Boy, oh boy. I had one too here from our Facebook page. It says, uh, worship your mother. Or no, no, love your mother. And it has a picture of the earth. <laughs> the same sort of deal. All right. So what can we derive from this and person's it's same, worldview? It's the same kind of worldview, right? I mean, basically, the person's a, a whacked-out lib hippie. I mean, I don't know what cat. We should probably come up with a uh, a more specific category for that, like um, uh, a kind of uh, a social socialist ideologue. But ah, the hippie works fine. I wonder what kind of car it is. <laughs> oh wait, let's see if he if he said here. Um... Yeah, I did. I, I'm uh, gonna guess it's not an SUV. Oh, it's an older-looking pickup. Yeah. Hmm. Well, oh. pickups are normally for doing work, but oh. yeah, you never know. All right, you can let's haul, haul around your hippiness in the back of that thing. <laughs> but <laughs> you could, <laughs> you you know, these sort of things. I mean, this is the same sort of. And why why is it? That, the, that the, there's something about the hippie worldview, this kind of, ah, we should just all get along, and ah, you shouldn't, 
you you should uh, you should be spiritual, but you shouldn't actually care enough about anything to actually argue about it or whatever. You shouldn't have conviction and hold to it. Uh, wh- why does this particular worldview almost always manifest itself in bumper stickers? I I don't know. May it's maybe because here here's a theory for you. Now this might be slightly controversial. Unlike everything else on our show, this might be. A little bit on the edge. Uh, so, you know, if you want to send in your complaints, it's Evan at tabletalkradio.org. <laughs> but it could be because this kind of worldview ends up resulting in people having terrible jobs. <laughs> so they don't have that nice of a car Ooh. so that they have a place to put bumper stickers. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think about that theory? Um, it is strange that this kind of this sort of worldview always res- is kind of has to express itself in a bumper Oh, but you know what we're not even talking about? I'm on about on a rampage here because there's also the keep abortion was there a keep abortion legal bumper sticker on there yep i got another one here what does it say keep your theology off my biology yeah uh this sort of thing and this is a this is also a mess is that the anti-abortion uh and or the pro-abortion always gets placard on the bumper stickers uh, that also is another one that always manifests itself. That one is this. That's kind of a, a radical, independent feminism, and it's just um, it, that also is completely irrational. Uh, that worldview. Boy, true. All right, calm down. We're gonna play some uh, table talk Jeopardy. You know it's... what I want to do though before we do that, <laughs> because I I think that it would be a good project to come up with just a little like half a page little track that says, Hey, I read your bumper sticker. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about it. Call me uh, and say a few things. And you get some of these common bumper stickers, like the pro-abortion bumper sticker or the coexist bumper sticker or something, and you just write a few sentences about it. And then so you have almost a little, hey, if you want to, if you really want to enter into conversation, here's an opportunity. So maybe one of our listeners wants to go on the bumper sticker reactionary tract ministry uh, way. <laughs> Yeah. Post it on the Facebook page because then I I don't want to have to do the work. I just want to. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. If you could just do all the work for us and we'll we'll get the credit for it, that'd be great. Right. We'll give you Table Talk Radio points. <laughs> okay. Let's play uh, Table Talk Jeopardy. Uh, is this the summertime edition of summertime edition? That's right. Now, how how in the world you're asking yourself how in the world did Pastor Wolfmuller come up with with answers that has to do with summer in the Bible? And the answer is I've brought back one of our favorite history games. This date in church history. <laughs> oh, I love Which this Which means game. you are going to get walloped in this game. <laughs> no, no, actually, this is a little bit different. I have, I have feasts and celebrations of the church that happened in the summer. So that's, the, that's your category for this edition of Table Talk Jeopardy. Okay. Well, I will take uh, table talk, uh, the, the Table Talk Jeopardy summertime category for 100. All right. So here's your answer. Celebrated on June 24th. The nativity of this great prophet reminds us that children can have faith even in the womb. Ah, uh, this reminds... Doesn't that even sound like a Jeopardy answer? Um, Some fine writing over here. This did not come from our Facebook page. I actually wrote this myself. <laughs> you must have been uh, spending tons of time on show prep. No. Uh, I, I believe... that. What was the date again? June 24th. June 24th. Celebrated on June 24th, the nativity of this prophet, great prophet, reminds us that children can have faith even in the womb. I think, uh, what is the nativity of John the Baptist? You are right. All right, and this reminds us that uh, children can have 
faith because uh, John the Baptist left in the womb at the visitation of, of right. Mary, the mother of our Lord, uh, to yes, Elizabeth, her yes, cousin. That's right. And uh, so uh, I the like— The visitation is also celebrated, by the way, during the summer. Right. Uh, in fact, we just had it uh, May, May 31st. Is that right? Uh, it's different. In the one year, it's July 2nd. Uh, oh, I see. But, yeah. Silly. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, what, one way I like to frame it for people is say that, that faith, the gift of faith, is a condition of the heart, not of the mind. So there are all kinds of people who maybe don't have the mental capacity to articulate the faith, but they can still be given the gift of faith to their heart by God's word. And that's what we see. Well, we have to take a break. We'll be right back with Tabletop Jeopardy. In the summertime, when the weather is high, you can stretch right up and touch the sky. When the weather's fine, you got women, you got women on your mind. Have a drink, have a drive, go out and see what you can find. Not really one of the best decisions you've made today. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're playing the, of a song with the word summer. The summertime what about the Fresh category? Prince of Bel Air. Summer, summer, summer. Summer, summer, summertime. You know that one? You mean Will Smith? Oh, yeah, Will Smith. Because that was just a, a, a role he played in a show. He wasn't actually the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Look, I am not your, I am not your pop, pop culture guru here. <laughs> Obviously. Welcome Analyzer of bumper sticker worldviews <laughs> and host of Summertime Table Talk Jeopardy. You have 100 points, Evan. Ready for 200, then. I am. All right. Here is your answer. These two apostles are so important, it's odd that they share one day, June 29th. That's, that's it? That's it. Um, uh, Remember, the category here is feasts during the church year in the summer. Yes. So, yeah. Two apostles that are so important that it's... it's um, well, I'm not sure on this. I'm going to... You know, with the, when you say important apostles, I think um, of Jesus' closest apostles, Peter, James, and John. And I think that Peter has his own day, so I'm going to say James and John. Oh, that's a good guess, except for the answer is, who are Peter and Paul? <laughs> ah. You didn't even get one right, so <laughs> you lose 400 points. Well, well, that was 200, wasn't it? I know, I know, but there was two answers. So. Oh, come on. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll just subtract 200. Oh, this the is score now me. being negative 100 to zero. I'm winning. I, by the way, I don't think Vickers should be um, responsible for knowing the church calendar yet. No, I know. You're not responsible for that. You're just responsible for knowing important apostles. <laughs> are you trying to tell me uh, James and John are inimportant all apostles? All right, all right. They're, impor- they're important, too. Uh, I, maybe if I, my clue said, the, these two apostles together wrote the majority of the New Testament. Oh, well, that, that would be different, wouldn't it? All right. Yeah, it would. Yeah. All right, so give me but, 300. Maybe it can oh, recover here. Skipping over. Well, you want to know why they're on the same day? I do. I was uh, just I don't about know. to I ask. Thought you were gonna, I thought you were going <laughs> to give the answer to that. I think you know because the Saints' days, you don't know this, the, the, when exactly they are. So they sometimes they talk about their um, the day that the Saints died, and that, but we don't really know that. I mean, we didn't even have the same calendar back when the Saints were dying, so... Uh, normally the dates are chosen when their bones get moved around. The relocation of the bones of these different saints 
what what do they call that? The uh, the relocation of bones. There's a fancy word for it. Can't think of it. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, th- that's when these days normally come from. So sometime in the very early Middle Ages, seventh, sixth, eighth century, something, the bones get sh- gets moved uh, uh, from one church to another, transported. What is that called? Translocated. Uh, uh, anyway, and that's when there's <laughs> th- that's when it. the days come. Okay, three hundred. Here's your answer. You ready? Ready. On June 25th, in the year 1530, this marvelous statement of faith was officially presented to Emperor Charles V. Ah, I think this will be, um, what is the presentation of the Augsburg Confession? Yes, although probably the answer, the question should have been, what is the Augsburg Confession? But okay. that's right. What is, is the, the Augsburg Confession? Okay, I'll give it to you. 300 points. <laughs> That brings you to 200 now. All right. Yeah, so we have this uh, wonderful articulation of of our Lutheran faith in the words of the Augsburg Confession as uh, penned by Philip Melanchthon, right? Uh, Yes, that's right. And so... uh, But presented not by the theologians, but by the... uh, by the electors of Saxony and things like this. So so the Augsburg Confession has this kind of funny language where it says they believe, teach, and confess. Not we, but they, because it's <laughs> yeah. the dukes talking about the theologians. But yeah, this is really... So Emperor Charles V, he's all worked up because the Muslims are about to wallop the Roman Empire. And he says, you guys can't fight about all this doctrine stuff because we're about to get walloped by the Turks. So you Lutherans, tell us what you believe. So they did. They wrote it down. 28 articles, Augsburg Confession, 15... Uh, 30s presented. We're gonna, so we'll be in Germany, Carrie and I. Nice. I don't know if this is before or after this show airs, but we'll be in Germany on the 480th anniversary of the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. I think, by the way, here's another thesis. I got all sorts of theses coming forth today. I know it's starting to get uh, a little cumbersome. Go ahead. But I, I think that this is the most important date, the most important event in the in the Lutheran Church. Uh, is the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. More than like Christmas or Good Friday or something? Well, n- uh, yeah, but no, not more important than the events that we confess in the in the, uh, in the the creed, uh, but in the most important events in the kind of, in what we would call parochially the Lutheran history. So, okay, got your, it, got your buzzword, by the way. Thank you. And this is, then, so the buzzword there you got is creed, for those of you joining us late, luckily. Uh, but... <laughs> This is maybe something. In fact, we normally celebrate Reformation Day as October 31st because that's when Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the Castle Church door in Wittenberg. But I think that event really is nothing compared to the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. I mean, the presentation of the Augsburg Confession, which happened uh, 13 years later, when they say, look, here's our doctrine, and, 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 and they were right. I mean, they were right in articulating the teaching of the Scripture. That's the. This is important. And and if you're studying Lutheranism, you don't go to the 95 theses. The 95 theses hold no weight in the in the doctrinal tradition of the Lutheran Church. They don't mean anything at all. You go to the Augsburg Confession. That's the Magna Carta. That's where the doctrine is laid down. Mm-hmm. Mm. Speaking of Germany, um, I was thinking that maybe you could you could uh, report live from from Germany, giving us like a play by play of the of the Passion play there. He was like, uh, oh, here comes Simon. He's taking the cross. cross. <laughs> yeah, they... I'll look into that. <laughs> I think that'd be uh, great. I, I also, then, if I do that, I want your play-by-play for your trip to Florida or your vacation. Oh, that's already you... been Oh, you already did that? Yeah. Oh, yeah I've been paying close attention to you. I think I called you when I was going to the airport. 
So hmm. anyway, um, so, yeah, so we have the Augsburg Confession collected in this this wonderful thing, uh, the Book of Concord, which we play uh, Book of Concord be sometimes here, but uh, with within the Book of Concord we have we have all the. Uh, the Lutheran Confessions, the Augsburg. We even have the the, the ecumenical creeds, the Athanasian Creed, the Nicene oh, Creed, yeah, the Apostles' yeah, Creed. We have it all there. Yeah, yeah we, we do. Yeah. So I just thought I would point that out. Use so your, if you just you thought could, you'd you use your buzzword, oh, Athanasian yeah. Creed. Yeah. So, okay. So how many? I'll give you 150 points for that. I'll give you That's 300. All. Sweet. Bringing the score to. Oh, did you get that right also? So you got 150. That's 350 plus 300. You got you have 650 points. That's maybe the most points I've had in a long time on Table Talk. Right I yet. think so. Okay, now I'm gonna quit. I'm just gonna walk away with those points and. and... <laughs> okay, no, 400. 400. 400. This is your <laughs> your daily double. Okay. So you can put all the points on the line. I'll uh, I'll go just go ahead and wager the 400. The 400, okay. <clears throat> you might be encouraged to know that this Apostles' Day falls on June 11th. That's it? That's it. Oh, there's a secret clue in the answer. Okay, read it again. You you might, I, you, I, I need to be <laughs> listening carefully now. You might be encouraged to know that this Apostles' Day falls on June 11th. Um, I might be encouraged to know. So which it just so a- happens that this is, by the way, is not. I'll give you a huge hint. No, no, never mind. I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> I changed my mind. Well, go and tell the listeners. I, I won't. I won't listen. Okay, so plug your ears here. Here's okay. a huge hint, dear listener. <laughs> it's not one of the twelve apostles. Um, okay, I'm back. Are you done right, telling the listeners? Yeah, okay, that's right. That's um, right. <laughs> I'm gonna go, perhaps. Oh wait, hold on. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Oh, I was, hold on. I was initially what are you gonna, thinking? I was initially going to say Paul, but I think the the 100 question or 200, whatever it was, um, had Peter and Paul. Right. So I'm going to say maybe the uh, replacement um, of of Judas, because uh, he would be the only other apostle that could not be one of the twelve. Because here we have uh, Judas who. Um, who killed himself, and so they uh, they they voted in uh, the another apostle. And then then the apostle Paul would be the other one who wasn't one of the twelve because because Jesus appeared to him in Damascus. So um, with that said, I am going to go with um, Matthias. Wrong. Ha ha. <laughs> Wrong it is. I'm subtracting 400 before I give you the answer. Ah, okay. It's Barnabas, whose name means encourager. See, that was a little hint. You might be encouraged. Barnabas means encourager. Oh, right. Barnabas is oh, called... I, I, so, oh, I picked the wrong... Uh, so I picked, the, <laughs> I picked the wrong one that they picked. Oh, duh. Uh. So Barnabas was, uh. Uh, was a companion of St. Paul. And uh, and uh, uh, and he's called an apostle in the scriptures. I yes. should look up exactly where he's called an apostle. So this expansion of the apostles in the very beginning of the church, and and Barnabas is called one. Now he's got, he's not one of the twelve, so wow. uh, he doesn't meet the requirement that they set forth in that first <laughs> council. But he is, uh, but he has celebrated his day on June the eleventh. Remember Barnabas who remember when Mark and Paul get into this little spat and and this splits up this great missionary duo Paul and Barnabas and Barnabas goes with Mark and uh Luke goes with Paul uh so this is really something there. Huh. Very good. All right. Huh. Well, you tricked me on that one. So 
minus 400 down to 150. Let's let's do 500 before the break here really quick. Okay. The church, this is a tough one. Oh, the church remembers the Apostle Bartholomew on this marvelous day in August. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I only have, you know, 31 choices here. <laughs> 30 choices? Are there 30 or 31 days in August? I, think I have to do the, days. Have to yeah, do the knuckle days. thing. Um, I'm going to say August 20th. Wrong! <laughs> Somehow. The best day in August. The greatest day in August. August 24th. Ah, somehow I uh, got that wrong and end up with negative. We'll be right back for Law Gospel. Name that thesis. In a recent survey, 98% of listeners can't stand Table Talk Radio. We would like to express our gratitude to those who did not participate in the study. Your own personal Jesus, someone to hear your prayers, someone who cares, your own. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, playing a brand new game called Name That Walther Theses, and this is based off of uh, the lectures recorded from Walther's students at uh, Concordia Seminary in St. Louis uh, of the proper distinction between law and gospel. And how it goes, we're going to highlight a few of these and, and kind of discuss them. And then I'm going to give uh, Pastor Wolfmuller a soundbite, and he's going to have to determine which of the theses that we talked about is being violated, I guess you could say, uh, in, in what's going on here. So uh, I like this game. Yeah, not too so bad. So far. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So far. All right, you have your uh, law gospel. I'm going to give you four. Uh, All right. So read uh, first theses number five. Okay, thesis five. The first manner of confounding law and gospel is the one most easily recognized and the grossest. It is adopted, for example, by the papists, Scocinians, and rationalists, and consists in this, that Christ is represented as the new Moses, or lawgiver, and the gospel turned into a doctrine of meritorious works, while at the same time those who teach that the gospel is the message of the free grace of God and Christ are condemned and anathematized as is done by the papists. Well, there's a lot going on in this one. Uh, first of all, that, that uh, why did Jesus come to earth? Jesus came to uh, win the forgiveness of our sins, to, to, to pay the, the penalty of, of our sins, the, to take on God's wrath, and uh, by doing so gives us eternal life. So that's the very reason Jesus came, not to give us more laws, which is the first part. Right. Um, also, then to say that, that the gospel... Uh, the gospel preaches all about things that you must do that earn merit before God. And then the other thing that's in this thesis is that uh, that those who preach the, 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 the pure grace of God, um, that salvation is won by, by Christ's works, not our works, that those people are anathematized, as done by the papists, as it says. So that's uh, thesis five. And then uh, do you have a comment on that? Nope. Okay, thesis six is the, is the next one. 
in the second place, the word of God is not rightly divided when the law is not preached in its full sternness and the gospel not in its full sweetness. When, on the contrary, gospel elements are mingled with the law and law elements with the gospel, okay. what we commonly call lospel. <laughs> Thanks. That's an addition. Later. <laughs> okay, so um, in this one, I mean, the, the law is the law and the gospel is the gospel, and and the the law can't be preached in too severe of a manner that that if if the go- if the law is preached in a way that it, it it sounds like you can keep it or if it it's not that serious you're confusing law and gospel and in the same token uh, you can't preach um, the gospel in too good of words in other words uh, if you're not preaching the gospel that they are the the the, the full um, the full benefits of heaven and and what God gives us then you're not preaching the gospel. All right, and then the, the there's two more here. Uh, thesis 13 is the next one. Okay, thesis 13. In the ninth place, the word of God is not rightly divided when one makes an appeal to believe in a manner as if a person could make himself believe or at least help towards that end instead of preaching faith into a person's heart by laying the gospel promises before him. Okay, so this is what we commonly see in uh, American evangelicalism today in decision theology or this theology Man, these are that good theses yeah the theology Ooh. that says that that once you make a decision um, then that I think they would say at least helps towards the end of believing that it's by your making the decision that you receive faith and, and are saved um, and then the last one is thesis 24. Okay, let's see here. Thesis 21, 22, 24. It's XXIV. <laughs> Thesis XXIV. <laughs> In the 20th place, the word of God is not rightly divided when the unforgiven sin against the Holy Ghost is described in a manner as if it could not be forgiven because of its magnitude. Okay, so the the unpardonable sin um, is not uh, unpardonable because it's so bad, as if it's so... Uh, terrible that it can't be forgiven, but rather that the the unpardonable sin is essentially then uh, the rejection of the gift of faith by the Holy Spirit. That the work of the Holy Spirit is to bestow this gift of faith to us, and uh, that it, it is rejected. Um, and so it's not that it's it's so terrible of a sin that it won't be forgiven, but that you can't be saved apart from faith. So by by doing that, by its very essence, you can't be saved. True enough. In fact, uh, and and this is an important point on this, uh, Walter will make the distinction. He doesn't call it the unforgivable sin, but the unforgiven sin. Ah, very so, good. And that's probably the point of the thesis, is that to be unforgivable is to talk about the nature, is to talk about the size of the sin, while to be unforgiven talks about the nature of the sin. So. All right. Are you ready for your first entry? Ready. So ready. Uh, just very quickly, thesis five is talking about Je- making Jesus new Moses, number six is uh, mingling uh, the law and the gospel by making the law easy or the or the gospel not in its full sweetness. Uh, thesis 13 is uh, pertaining to decision theology that one could make himself believe. And then the last one is discussing the unforgiven sin. Okay, so here's, here's your first entry. We must obey God rather than men. Benedict XVI stated this phrase of St. Peter's during the homily at this morning's Mass held with members of the Pontifical Biblical Commission at work these days in the Vatican. The Pope noted that one cannot dispense from seeking God and that obedience to God's divine commandments is the source of true freedom for man in contrast with contemporary libertarian tendencies. Benedict XVI said that if man exists only for himself, 
then the consent of the majority becomes the last word. History has demonstrated that this can often be a consent to evil, whereas obedience to God is the guarantee of freedom and truth for all men and women of all time. All right, there it is. Whoa. Well, you might ruin me and Benedict's friendship with this here. Evan. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, it's all right. <laughs> See the things I give up for this show. And by that, I mean nothing. <laughs> uh, th- this is all law. I mean, there's no gospel in there at all. Now, uh, it could be a mingling of law and gospel when it says obedience to God is how we get freedom. It said that? Right. Freedom, of course, is the result of the gospel. Uh, not the result of the law. The law comes and puts us under bondage. It doesn't bring us freedom. So uh, so that's a confusion of law and gospel, which is breaking thesis. Seven, he didn't say anything about the unforgiven sin, so we're going to skip out on thesis 24. He didn't necessarily make a uh, appeal for people to believe on their own efforts, so let's take out thesis 13. Um, so we do have, I mean, this really is a mixing of law and gospel and Jesus now is the new Moses. So I think this this breaks both Thesis 5 and Thesis 6. Very good. Ding, 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 ding. All right, so I will give you one point for that. Oh, I'm just kidding. 200. So the score, by the way, then oh, I'll take one point because it's a lovely score. <laughs> 300 to 1 versus negative 250. Of course you will. Okay. Uh, do I have two negative 250? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. All right. What's that? That's my cell phone. Do you like that ringtone? I was, I was trying to find <laughs> I thought, a... Uh, I thought we were in China or something. <laughs> I, I was trying to find a, a bagpipe version of A Mighty Fortress for my ringtone, but I haven't been able to find it yet. So uh, if any of you bagpipe listeners would like to record that, that would be fantastic. Post it on the Facebook page. I don't have to do too much work, see? Yeah, d- don't don't uh, make Pastor Wolfmiller you know do any kind of work or any anything really. Well, we're actually running shy on time. What? We have about uh, a, about a minute or a minute and a half left, and so well, let's we'll, talk more about these theses then, huh? Okay, yeah. Then we'll we'll do the extended version uh, on the oh. internet too. So blah, blah. <laughs> stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay, so uh, which of these uh, theses that I've set aside would you like to expand on, Pastor? Yeah, well, maybe this thesis five, that Jesus is the new lawgiver, the new Moses. I mean, this is so tempting, is that, well, Moses came along, and he gave an all right law, but but now Jesus comes along, and he gives an even tougher law. This is what, in the Catholic tradition, is called the evangelical councils. So the Ten Commandments are like every man's law, you know, everyone ought to not commit adultery, everyone ought to not covet and not steal, but for the evangelical councils, if you're really going to attain the high spiritual life, you got to give away all your stuff you got to be poor you got to turn the other cheek you got to give the guy your your jacket and all this sort of stuff so so Jesus so the law becomes um uh even more fierce with Jesus rather than seeing Jesus coming to fulfill the law in our place and to bring us the righteousness that is proper to him and to and to uh, impute that to us so it's a total misunderstanding of what Jesus does but this is whenever anyone wants to get serious about their discipleship this is the way they go so now we're really a Jesus follower because now we're not just uh, believing that God forgives us, but now we're giving up all our possessions, or now we're disengaging with the world, or now we're becoming these—we've got this neo-monkism and all this kind of craziness, uh, and it's, and it's a, a, a perhaps the grossest, like uh, Walter says, a confusion of confounding law and gospel, which is simply having no gospel at all because the gospel seems too good 
It can't, it surely, God demands something of us. Well, the, the marvelous news of the gospel is that all the demands that the law places on us are met by Jesus, and he gives us his perfection in the gospel. All right, and if you are listening to this show on the radio, you can continue listening to the rest of this as we play Name That Walter Theses uh, by going to our website, tabletalkradio.org, and listening to the podcast. Uh, this is show 103. So check out in the podcast section of show 103 to listen to this, uh, the rest of this program, uh, Table Talk Radio, where we play uh, Name That Walther Theses. Haha, it be good fun. All right, we'll see you all next time. Thank you all for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are as valuable as rebaptism. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio. Thank you for staying with us for the extended version of Table Talk Radio. We're in the middle of playing uh, Name That Walther Theses, and the theses on the table are 5, 6, 13, and 24. Um, And we have another clip here. Pastor, are you ready for this next one? Sure. This next Which, one, by the way, the online only version is where things get really out of hand. Yeah, so be careful. <laughs> You've be been careful. warned. <laughs> this next one comes uh, to us by a pastor by the name of Greg Laurie. He's, I don't well, know. Yeah, I know Greg Laurie. He does the uh, those big crusades. He's the he's in line to be the next great Billy Graham. He does uh, uh what are those things, crusades he calls? Um, oh, I can't remember. He's uh, out of California. He's a Calvary Chapel guy. Okay, so here he is, and uh, he does these little. Uh, videos for his website, and uh, this is this is one of them. So, how does uh, a person get right with God, so we can know with certainty that we'll go to heaven when we die? It starts with admitting the problem. You have to admit you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have broken God's commandments. Every one of us have fallen short of His standard. So it has to start there. You have to admit you're a sinner. Number two, you need to realize that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for you. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth. He was born in a manger. He lived a perfect life, and then he died a perfect death. And he rose again from the dead three days later. But he died there for our our sins. He came to pay a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. In fact, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then thirdly, you need to repent of your sin. You need to be willing to turn from your sin. You might ask the question, well, Greg, if I become a Christian, do I have to give up anything? The answer is yes, you do. You have to give up guilt and misery and the fear of death and replace it with forgiveness and a life with purpose and the absolute certainty that you'll go to heaven when you die. You might call it God's trade-in deal. Yeah, you have to turn your back on sin. The Bible says repent and be converted that times of refreshment may come from the presence of the Lord. Then you need to receive Jesus Christ into your life. You see, being a Christian is not just trying to live by a creed or going to church on Sunday or trying to keep a set of rules. (laughs) 
Being a Christian, to really simplify it, is having a relationship with God. The Bible says, for as many as received him, he gave them the power to become sons of God. So it's a friendship. It's a relationship. But you're asking Jesus himself to come inside of you and live his life through you. Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you'll hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. So maybe you would like to have your sin forgiven. Maybe you would like your guilt removed. Maybe you would like to know with certainty that you will go to heaven when you die. If so, why don't you just pray with me right now? (laughs) All right. So if you would like these things, just pray with me right now. Just pray with me. This is a violation of Thesis 13. In the ninth place, the word of God is not rightly divided when one makes an appeal to the believer in a manner as if a person could make himself believe or help towards that end. When repentance becomes a work of man, I'm speaking now, uh, then the the uh, distinction between law and gospel is completely obliterated because repentance is not a work of man. It's a gift of God, worked by the Holy Spirit through the word of law and gospel. So when repentance becomes our work, we're the ones doing it, we're the ones turning, we're the ones believing, we're the ones accepting, we're the ones praying, we're the one inviting, we're the one opening the door. You know, Jesus is there on the... On the one-way valve door, there's no door handle on the door of your heart from the outside. you got to open up from the inside. So he's ringing the bell, knocking <laughs> on the door, but you got to come answer it. Ah, this is, a, this is a bad deal. It is, though, of course, the basis of every decisionism out there, so that you become a Christian by making your own decision. you got to be, and this is the key word there that Greg Laurie said, you have to be willing. You know that business? So now it's about your will, as if your will can be involved. It can do anything but hate God, which it can't. Right. The scripture testifies clearly. So. Well, and I, you know, I've been a little bit more relaxed on this decision theology stuff over the years, um, getting get, be a little bit more charitable to people. But the moment where he starts talking about uh, this, that if you want to be forgiven, if you want to be pardoned, if you want to to get rid of this guilt. Then you must dot dot dot, and that yep. the the entire then the entire gospel, the entire forgiveness of sins, is now hinged upon you doing this thing, rather yep. than saying the objective things that Christ has done. Christ has gotten rid of your sins. God has taken the sins upon Himself. He has forgiven you. He's removed the guilt. Why? Because Christ did something, not because you did something. Because Christ died on the cross. And that is where we find the forgiveness of sins. And so here, as Walther says, that we are to just lay the gospel promises before them uh, so that faith will cling hold of them. Right. That's okay. right. Okay, you have one more uh, okay. for your consideration. We're getting points for this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Another point. So you have 302 now. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> you, you don't care how many points. You just need points. Just or a point. Just more than you. It's relative, you know. <laughs> okay. Coexist, baby. Well, if you get this one wrong, you lose 302 points. <laughs> Just saying. But you'll still be ahead of me because I'm in the red. I have to lose 552 <laughs> points. Let's. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna wager 552. I'm gonna wager 553 points on this last one. Oh man. Okay. I hope you miss it. Then here it is. This this one's pretty hard. You better pay attention. All right. I'm listening. All right. Denouncing of God or other impious acts. But tonight we're going to meet a group of committed atheists who are vocally and publicly declaring their lack of faith. And what about what some are calling the blasphemy challenge? ABC's John Berman has a new installment of our series, <laughs> These Faith guys. Matters. God, if you're listening, uh, it's supposed to be everywhere. Well, maybe so, faith doesn't matter. So he knows, of course, you know, feel free to ring the line right now. Uh, wait, 
Uh, no, no, that wasn't out of ring. So, <laughs> from this tiny oh, basement in northeast Philadelphia, oh, these people are, so are trying funny. to wage a very big fight against religion. Oh, All religion. Why don't you believe in God? I don't see any good reason to believe in God. It's that simple? Yeah, it's that simple. What's wrong with God? Uh, nothing. What's wrong with the truth? <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with something that 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 most likely doesn't exist. Brian Sapient and Kelly, who didn't want us to use her last name, are co-founders of the Rational Response Squad. They're well, atheists. There are an estimated 20 to 30 million in the United States these days. Sometimes they say a persecuted minority. Atheists yeah, are yeah. completely vilified, and it's okay. It's actually okay to hate <laughs> atheists. We're like the last group that people overwhelmingly agree it's okay to hate us. Hopefully, hopefully. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Hold, on, hold on, hold on. Respond to that business. There is a, a severe martyrdom con, uh, complex amongst the atheists. I mean, it's incredible, and they'll admit it themselves. I mean, that they, that to come out as an atheist is this monstrously heroic sort of thing. I mean, <laughs> I was talking to this other, this this um this uh, uh this guy, and when we went to see the atheist group, you know, the Denver area atheists. Yeah. I know. I, I we go to this this little fun little group, and and uh, this guy was telling he was harder to come out as a as a homosexual than an or sorry as than an atheist than it was as a homosexual he was talking about this is this great persecution this another guy who was an atheist but he wouldn't tell his family he didn't tell his wife doesn't know he's an atheist i think she thinks he's a catholic <laughs> but huh. he comes to the he comes to the he so he comes secretly to the atheist meetup group i mean they they're such a huge martyrdom complex amongst the atheists it's great <laughs> it's, and it's silly what what i found was interesting when i was going to the uh, fort wayne group the atheist uh, free thought fort wayne as they call themselves is that you you have this whole like uh institution of a social networking of of uh atheists so i mean so you, you let's say you you go to a a church a christian church which is the kind of church that doesn't really have the gospel you know and they get together for these uh social activities and uh when i went to this atheist group i found the exact same thing so they were organizing a day to pick up trash on the highway and they were organizing days to to do this activity and that and that activity and i just found humorous that here you essentially if you you have a church in the sense that you have a gathering of people to do activities a social club um uh so that, so they they almost need that part of church if you will um but they sit around and talk about what they don't believe in right <laughs> Great, isn't it? They sit, <laughs> sit around and and uh, yeah, confide in each other's unbelief. It's it's just amazing. I mean, yeah. It's well, crazy. here's a little bit more of the news clip. You know, we'll find God today, you know, because we're told all the time that we need to. So the members of the squad yeah. preach their yeah. beliefs or God lack thereof on a weekly internet radio show. It's so inflammatory to some that they've received death threats, which is why Sapient isn't Brian's real last name and why their show is broadcast from this bunker at an undisclosed location. What's your day job? Uh, curing theism. Your day job is fighting God. You're a 30-year-old living in Northeast Philly, mm -hmm. and you wake up in the morning and spend your days taking on God. Wow, that's a dramatic way to put it. <laughs> and they've come up with a dramatic way of doing it. I deny God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Complete with kitschy graphics, the group is now engaged in a project which almost seems to invite the hate. It's called the Blasphemy Challenge. I deny the existence of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, that's pretty much the the clip. Uh, reaction? Yeah, I wonder how many listeners they have. I mean, we got seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be well, a. It's enough that he you? could ma- do it his full time job. You know, I mean, yeah, that's, that, that's what's so fascinating. I didn't. Yeah, this is maybe one of the things that per- that really confuses me about uh, atheism, is that the reason that you and I are on the radio right now is to proclaim the gospel to to those uh well to to everyone you know to to those who haven't heard it and those who have heard it and uh, the reason we do that is because uh to to announce the forgiveness of sins one in Christ so that those who are burdened by their sins and the th- things they've done wrong will find release and freedom in the gospel in the message of Christ crucified now if people uh graciously decide to support this program it's to, to keep this this message on the air but i don't quite understand why then the atheists do the same thing I mean, why would you get on get on the radio week after week or day after day or whatever it is, um, and and receive your salary from people donating money to you to talk about what you don't believe in? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, well, atheism doesn't make any sense. I mean, and so it's maybe good, Evan, that it doesn't make sense because, um, but but you have to understand these. I mean, the atheist is a uh, to be an atheist is a radical position. I mean, it's a rejection of. Uh, um, it's a rejection of even the most common um, human element. It is to believe that there is a God and that he is big and strong and mad at sin is natural. That's, I mean, that's part of our natural understanding of God. But here they come along, and you're denying that. So you something something goes wrong. I remember my atheist, Denver atheist friends. I wonder how many are listening to our show. Maybe a couple <laughs> of uh, And I think I've told them this too. Something goes wrong in your mind when you um, when you deny that th- these basic facts, uh, and it makes you a radical. Hmm. So, uh, are you saying that? Um, that natural man, apart from faith, um, has then a knowledge of God, certainly, because uh, the, the wrathful towards God. And then to right. believe that there is no God is a learned belief or one that you must adopt. Yes. Ah, very right. good. Huh, fascinating. Yeah. Okay. It is. So do you want to uh, pen a thesis down here? Yeah, I'm going to say, you know, the Blasphemy Challenge is about uh, Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So that's Thesis 24, Ha-ha, the unforgivable sin. So they underst- So they think they can say, hey, uh, uh, we don't believe in God, and now they're, they're committing Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, um, and, uh, and therefore will be eternally damned. So they're showing their bravery against God, saying, well, if God wants to damn us for saying this thing then we'll do it we'll we'll go ahead and be damned and so that's the thesis that they're trying to i mean that's the sin that they're trying to commit uh with this whole blasphemy challenge so. oh you got it i thought you had missed that one ah so you get 553 points being oh, do 805 man. all right well uh, i think we better end the recording now before you start going off on your goofiness <laughs> Sure enough. <laughs> Thanks for sticking in, everyone, who uh, stuck with us for this uh, extended edition. Yeah, Thanks congratulations to, to, to you, the singular uh, you. So, we, let's, so I got 855 points, and we probably have seven listeners. So each listener gets um, <laughs> s- uh, 100 and, uh, mm. 120 points each. All right, there it is. <laughs> okay. All right, see you next week on Table Talk Radio. Bye-bye. <laughs>